0: Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there, and welcome once again to the WP Builds Podcast. You've reached episode number 337, entitled. No code is a lie. It was published on Thursday, the 3rd of August, 2023. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and I'll be joined in a few moments by my good friend David Wormsley so that we can have our chat about no code. But before that, a few bits of housekeeping. The first thing is to mention is that I am taking a break next week. I'm having a week off so that I can spend some time with the family. So there will be no podcast episode next week, but we will be back the week after that. The other thing to mention is I hope that you've been enjoying our webinar series. I did one recently with Mark Westgard, and I also am in the process of doing one with Patrick Posner, all about static websites. You can find that by going to our wpbuilds.com website, and if you go to the archives link right at the top of the page and search for demo archives, you'll be able to see the episodes that we've recorded so far. We've done three out of the four so far, but if you're interested... In static sites, that's a really good place to learn about how all of that works. The other thing to mention is that the Page Builder Summit is back on. We're on version 6. It's happening towards the latter part of September 2023. And we're on the lookout for some sponsors. If you or a friend or a company that you work for, in fact, if you can think of any way in which you can help out sponsoring, then head to pagebuildersummit.com forward slash sponsor, that's pagebuildersummit.com, forward slash sponsor, to find out more. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with The Hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by heading to go.me forward slash WP builds. That's go.me forward slash WP builds. And true, sincere thanks for GoDaddy Pro for their continuing ongoing support of the WP builds podcast. Okay, what have we got for you today? Well, it's David and I in our 13th episode of the Thinking the Unthinkable series. And the topic we've decided to tackle today is no code is a lie. Is it possible to replace your business simply with templated options? Is no code a revolution, as some would claim? Should we even be using no code solutions or is it better to concentrate and gain expertise with code? Is no code a threat to developers? And what about AI? How does that all fit in the mix? Well, we've got some options for you today, some thoughts, and we would love to hear your comments. If you fancy making a comment, then go to wpbuilds.com, search for episode number 337 and leave us a comment there. I hope you enjoy the show.
1: Hello, it's the 13th episode of How Thinking the Unthinkable series. Today we are daring to think that no code is a lie. And I think, Nathan, we've agreed that we're restricting ourselves on the sort of sites that would otherwise be built with kind of HTML, CSS and simple JavaScript.
0: What what a front end developer might or designer might do. So are we just limiting ourselves to building out a basic static site? Is that what you mean by that? I think so, because I think, yeah, if we tried to get into all
1: the no-code options for the dynamic stuff, we'll we'll be at it forever. Yeah, I think that if you were trying
0: to build, I don't know, Twitter or something, um, yeah, you're not really going to get very far without coding. But if you want to just (laughs) bang out a a fairly straightforward, simple site with some content which doesn't change too much over time, is no-code a lie? Or no-code is a lie, as you've written? Okay, yeah, we've
1: got to define no code, I guess, because people talk about no code and um, low code is another term that people, and I'm never quite sure what they mean, but no. I think it's a, uh, it's obviously a similar misnomer to serverless, which is, is a hot topic at the moment. And of course that is because it actually increases the servers you use by about 200 times, in fact, you know, <laughs> and I think, I think probably no code is similar, really. We don't, we don't uh, run off solar or something. So, um, code is definitely still involved. But it's, I guess, I guess, our definition, do you agree, is where the
0: user can create a website without any code knowledge? Yeah. So, maybe we should limit ourselves to just three things in this case. And that would be yeah. HTML, CSS, JavaScript. We could obviously yeah. get into. You know, in the WordPress space, things like PHP and more complicated variants of JavaScript and what have you. Yeah. But yeah. So throwing out a, a simple page requires HTML and CSS, perhaps not JavaScript. But yes, if somebody has no knowledge of any of those things, can they build a serviceable website? Okay.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, um, that's what it's been used for most, isn't it? And let's talk about the first thing that we actually got some show notes here, some questions to ask ourselves. And first one is beyond replacing content on a template, is it really possible
0: to avoid something like CSS? Yeah. Some, you see, when you wrote that prompt as a question, so the, the back and forth that um, David and I have is that this, these show notes come up and we both contribute things. David often poses mm-hmm. questions and I'll write uh, in response to him. I I thought the answer to that question is I don't really think that you do need to have too much knowledge because, for example, if you go to a service, so this is nothing to do with WordPress, but if you go to a service like Squarespace, Wix, and so on, I think mm. the premise is that, isn't it, is that you you just you don't need to know any of that stuff. If If you do know that stuff, you can probably fine-tune things, but in order to get something out, you can log in, create a page click on a template, amend the template, add rows, change the images, whatever, and then click save. And mm. you probably don't even need to get involved with the basics, you know, margins and padding. They're probably called something else, and you, you probably don't need to yeah. know that pixels are involved. It's, you know, is a small padding or medium padding or large or whatever. And, and WP default blocks now go down in this route as well. You know, you've got S, M, L, XL. Things like that, yeah. Um, and so I think you probably can. Now you could get into the whole debate about whether it's a good website or not, but it's a website. It's it's live on the internet, and you know you only have to look at the numbers. Squarespace's numbers and Wix's numbers—they're doing very well. So I think it is possible. Yes.
1: Yes, I. I think that here's the thing, and is that where the no code is a lie could come in is that a lot of people could go to that they will maybe start with a template but it as we were talking about earlier it's very easy for that to go kind of wrong for them quite quickly and then they need some help which is often custom code and that is you know they set up the header the header's been set up to design for a rectangle logo and you've got a square one and then the the text is squinched up as particularly if it's got one of those shrinking headers that go Go with you as you scroll and then your navigation's been set up with flexbox css so it can accommodate more but there's a limit before they start getting squeezed up together or you get some widows which look terrible on some devices spoiling the usability or we get the hero section i was talking about that earlier about the fact that you know that the template says we sell tea and you, you you want to replace that with we sell curtains and upholstery in bradford and suddenly things aren't sitting quite well because of the way that that's been designed you know because you either get it too small on the desktop or too too big so you don't get to the main text on the key hero side of things and it just even a big image so i think it's very easy that people Who don't stick within a template can very quickly feel like they
0: need CSS or somebody to help them with CSS. Yeah, I think you've made a really good point in that the templating system only works within the boundaries of what it's designed to do. And that that probably is a cause of endless frustration. I mean, the perfect example there was the, the text which destroys the header. You know, all of a sudden the background image no longer looks like a background image or the logo which ought to be a rectangle. The template's designed for that, but you've got a square, so your your logo looks ridiculous and tiny, and you know, completely out of place. I, I'm wondering how. I'm wondering if the temptation is exactly the opposite. Rather than tweaking the code, I wonder if somebody just goes off and redesigns the logo for it to be a rectangle, or just you know removes the word from Br- in Bradford and upholstery, and just you know, we sell furniture. You know, t- in yeah. other words, they tweak the, the content to fit the template. I bet that happens, but you are right. If you want it to be perfect, I imagine the whole templating system is not going to be satisfactory. You are going to have to, to get into the weeds of it. But uh, I guess that's a nice introduction to it, isn't it? If you if you begin in that way, because that's largely how I began. I began by knowing almost nothing and then figuring out, oh, well, why is that doing that? And then I discovered that, oh, you can do that thing with CSS, can you? That's interesting. All right, I'll try that. And you learned a little bit like that. But I, I didn't start with any expectation of knowing the code. But, but yes, definitely learned some along the way. So I concede that. That's a, a good point. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for both of us, in some ways, it, it
1: kind of is a stepping stone into something you wouldn't have been able to do before. So, I mean, we're definitely part of that. No code. Uh, this was the next question, really. Is no code a revolution? Or some, are we in the middle of a revolution? Or is it it could even be in decline, who knows? But there has been a surge, hasn't there, of lots of people being able to build sites with not knowing code.
0: Yeah. I think I think this has been one of the the drivers of WordPress's success over the last well, let's mm. say decade. Maybe it's not quite as long as that. But the evolution mm. of these tools, and there's a whole variety of them, but let's just broadly call them page builders. These tools that empowered people to build things in a visual way and really visual way in the sense that what you see is basically what you're going to get you click save and all that happens is that the ui elements which indicate that you're editing things they disappear but broadly speaking the the website looks the same i think it's i think it's driven a lot of growth i mean the data speaks for itself doesn't it you know yeah. you only have to look at some and you can mention the links that you've got with built with and what have you in a minute but the the growth of some of these page builders you know the really popular ones seems to be directly related to the, the growth in WordPress's growth. In yeah. other words, if those those plugins, themes in some cases, that enabled drag-and-drop building, no-code building, hadn't been invented and we were still using the templating engine and you had to use PHP and you had to understand all of that stuff, I I, I don't think WordPress would be anywhere near where it is now.
1: No. And it was interesting. I, haven't, I didn't look at that recently, but if I remember correctly, the Google trends for kind of WordPress search terms, and I don't know how you interpret it, it kind of peaked in, um, I think it was, uh, yeah, 2014. And then it's been dropping off in terms of people looking there. But when we look at the kind of page builders and stuff and searches for that, and what I looked up just recently was, and it's a surprise uh, maybe to a lot of our audience that that this is the way it is so if we look at built with with elementor it's a clear upward trend with no fall off that we see completely and they say they've got 13 million which is over 20 percent and w3 text puts it as the fastest growing content management system so it's kind of treating it as if it's wordpress almost since uh the first of april 2003 so sorry 2023 um so it's kind of interesting How a lot of us in our circles might think, well, its peak was some years back. And then we look at WP Bakery, which you and I, it was kind of, well, it, it, it was almost forgotten about, wasn't it? Because it was there before we even thought about page builders and it wasn't one of the new options for us. So you didn't think it got talked about, but it's way up there still, dropped off a little bit, but. Uh, totally totally phenomenal
0: like i I will link to the the built with article that uh, david found and it's called elemental usage statistics and it charts from 2017 which i imagine is the date when it was uh, released it says the sixth the sixth month of 2017 so june 2017 starts at zero and then more or less the whole chart is at about an angle of 40 degrees i mean obviously you know you you spread the x-axis out how you like but there is no point where there is a sustained dip. There's a teeny tiny dip at the end of, or in the, the latter part of 2021. Yeah. But that yeah. self corrects within the space of a month. So it's just this inexorable rise. And honestly, it felt, if you'd have asked me if that chart existed like that, it felt to me like Elementor's growth would have stagnated by now because of the amount of chatter that I hear about it. But that just isn't the case. Chatter or no, it's still growing. Uh, Maybe it's just not become a hot topic anymore. Maybe the content creators have found other things to to talk about and Facebook groups have got other things to talk about. But, yeah, the other one that, again, I'll link to, the W3 text chart, which is historical trends in the usage statistics of WordPress subcategories for websites. Yeah, again, uh, WooCommerce, broadly speaking, staying about the same, WP Bakery declining very slowly, Beaver Builder Mm. about the same, but way, way, way down, and there's the Elementor Mm. line again, just going up, going up, going up. It is amazing. Yeah. I mean, so people like, I mean, this podcast came out of our connection
1: through Beaver Builder. That was kind of the hot thing to us in our little bubble, and we would have thought, you know, that was the new shining star, and things like WP Bakery were dead compared to it, but obviously it was, you know, kind of 10 times the size you know it's, yeah or what so so little we knew you know i but would be yes.
0: really interested to know if i mean obviously i've got no way of doing this and i've got no way of knowing how true this is going to be i'd be really interested to know if you t- polled um 50 percent of the elementor user base or 100 percent of that user base and asked them that question about how much code do they know you know here's, yes. here's a here's a quick 10 point survey tell us what you know about css and javascript and html I, I don't know what the answer to that would be my guess is that a significant amount of them are using it be so that they don't need to know any code at all they know that yeah. there are things called um pixels they know that there is this thing called padding and, and they know what the outcome of that is that it adds space around the edge and they know that sorry uh, on the inside and they know there's margin mm. and all those kind of things but they don't they don't realize that that then writes some CSS, which looks like this, and it's got curly brackets and all of that kind of thing. They just know that they fill in that little box and it does what it says on the tin. It has a result on the, the website and they know it exists, but perhaps don't know even that there's a CSS file anywhere. Yeah. You know, I did, so
1: it's interesting on our bias because also I, I I put something here and you responded to it. I'm not quite sure where it is in our notes, but it was a bit like – you. Well, I, you might be surprised by Elementor because you see a lot of content makers who are very popular at the moment, who have moved from Elementor, getting more into the code than they did before. It maybe was a starting point to go that kind of direction. I think Kyle from the admin bar, somebody who very clearly sort of says, I really knew no code, but code is really for me the way. So I I try and pick my builder where I can, you know, fiddle around with the code more, uh, keep it kind of slim. And there's a lot of people, you know... of similar to that who have moved that direction but it's, it's probably out of keeping with what's really happening you know it's just who you happen to follow within you know that kind of you know within the community
0: yeah I think I think there's a bit of that but you're you're right the the, the sort of social media campaigns for Elementor by content creators has dropped off but I, I'm imagining that there's an element there of that th- there's no there's not really much more content to make you know, we know everything that there is to know about that particular piece of software. So let's move on to try something else. And also, I guess Gutenberg and the advent of new builders like Bricks seems to be very hot at the minute. And because there's a lot of people who don't know anything about it, there's lots of content to be made. And so people are curious to watch that content as opposed to elemental content. And then you wrote down things like generate blocks or cadence, which try to do broadly speaking, page building functionality, but within inside the Gutenberg interface. Again, people don't know how to do that. So there's lots of content. So it kind of feels like it's skewed in that direction, but the data, the W3, sorry, the built with data really goes against that. It's just, that's what the content creators are doing, not what the population are doing. Yeah. There feels like there might be a delay
1: in this. Uh, maybe it's reaching its peak. I don't know. It's very hard to know because yeah, really is it a is? revolution? Yeah. Is it on the turn? And from my point of view, because I'm moving much more towards code now, it's kind of what I love now, but it's, so I look for it, you know,
0: <laughs>
1: so I see it as probably, oh, that's probably, you know, old hat now. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, you're, it's
0: gonna... you're probably, I mean, I say you, we're all. Yeah. Um, we're all being biased by the the feed that we get from YouTube or Facebook or whatever. If you know what I mean, you know the, the the typically the content that you're watching is what you will be served up more. So it always feels like the thing that I'm into is the same thing that everybody's into. But <laughs> yeah, Elementor is all is all the rage still. Interesting. Yeah, I think there's
1: also the delay. Like I was just saying with the with the amount of content that would have been made on Elementor. It would take a long time before equivalent um, alternatives to Elementor content was made to counter that. Yeah, and that's right. For new people coming, you know, they're going to see a lot of that stuff. So, yeah, yeah. So, we're probably always behind the, the trend there. But, yes, fascinating anyway to look at that. So, who
0: who do you think should or should not use no-code solutions? Well, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because, you know, the, the question here really is, are you a professional if you don't know any code uh, is is that kind of what we're smuggling into this question is that kind of it <laughs> um, yeah. in other words if can you claim to be a professional if you know a page builder if you if you can't answer some basic questions about css are you are you really fit for the job i i just don't know what the answer to this is because i think if you can if you can Provide a solution for a client, and what you're giving them ticks the boxes that they need ticking. And it may be that in the back of your mind, you you have this feeling that maybe the code is a bit bloated. Maybe I haven't thought enough about accessibility. Maybe there's a whole bunch of things that I should have stripped down in CSS. Maybe we're loading a load of JavaScript libraries that we don't need. Maybe all of that's true, but the client has paid me. That is my primary motive so yeah. i'm happy i guess if if that's your concern and you don't need to touch the code and you can deliver the project and all the people are happy then no you don't need to code but i feel mm. that you're in particular, you you're going you really are going in the other direction you've realized that over the last 10 years same with me that over the mm. last 10 years the the page builder the no code solution has has lulled you into a a sense where, well, this is how this is how I want to do it in the future. And now you've realized that you've become de-skilled. You've, you haven't kept up to date with the latest trends. And there's mm. a lot of cool latest trends, especially in mm. CSS. And so you think, no, no code is not where I want to be anymore. I can do far more with less resources, less dependencies. I think you're more of a professional for doing it that way. But I don't know if the clients care. Yeah.
1: <laughs> It's like I
0: don't, uh, you know.
1: I think there's, it's what you're selling, isn't it? There yeah, is, a, I yeah. think, the biggest problem is. I, I put some things up. There is perhaps a global responsibility for people in our trade, maybe because no code means more than needed code, and there's environmental considerations to go with that, and that, um, bad user experience. You know, we know really that our clients. Don't know how to judge what they need in terms of a website. They only know it from what they see and other functionality and they ask whether they can have that. But they don't necessarily understand the kind of 80% of how you might go about creating a good user experience for people. So if we if we just indulge what the client asks for, could we just be lowering the usability of the web more generally? And I think accessibility now comes up as a bigger issue. How do we deal with that? And also could also this decline, something that's very human, that kind of UX work, understanding, getting empathy with other users, um, those kind of very human jobs that can't really be bettered by AI. Are we not losing them by just giving the client what they want? That looks like a website. Here's a website. Are you happy with it? Good. Done. Pay me. You I know, think so. This, yeah. Sorry, you. I
0: apologize. I interrupted.
1: No, no, that's all. So I think for me... Uh, I mean, to be honest, I mean, a code, I'm useless at. it. I just don't have the capacity for that. I'm more into the psychology. But what? why I've lent more towards the code now is because of the fact that, well, if I'm doing that, then I'm going to monitor the sites to see how people are using it. We're going to interpret it together. There's going to be a longer relationship. So I probably need to own that code a bit better so I can tweak it as needed in a more easy way rather than have to fight up with a system which may have to be changed as technology goes. I might as well just go the slow route with the technology and just only take notice of what the W3C is. So it's not really, well, I hope it's not code snobbery because I'm really not qualified to have any. I'm just useless with it, but I'm starting to learn it and take it more seriously on the basis that the way I think I should go, for me anyway, is to do that kind of more uh, UX agile type approach where we improve. And we see I've redefined the web designer's job for me as not somebody who creates the the website that the client likes, but as the person who helps that client through technology communicate with an audience out there. I love
0: this bit. I think this is the, the, probably the, the one of the best bits that we've had in, in our conversations in, in weeks and weeks and weeks. <laughs> so, you know, my slightly glib answer of, yeah, if the, if the client's happy, you're happy, we've ticked the boxes, hand it over... Then job done. I bet mm. that that is the the raison d'etre for a lot of people, right? You know, it's just get the job yeah. done, move on. But but these these points that you raised are so cool. So you know the environmental considerations. We've talked about this in the past tangentially in in other dedicated podcasts as well. You know, the stripping down the code so that you you are creating less of a footprint. This is such mm. a, such well it's so the right thing to do in every way the the bad user experience you know really thinking about that so that your client isn't just getting some sort of cookie cutter site but they're getting something which really makes their Mm. their business work and it may be that the original ideas get all thrown out the window and you end up with something totally unexpected because you had the conversation rather than using a template and then of course the the whole issue of accessibility and the fact that there's a proportion of the people out there who will not be able to consume what is on your website unless you do that work. This is like, who's going to argue with that? That's such an important thing. And Mm -hmm. this is the area where you can't do that without understanding a bit of the code. You've got to understand how how um, a person who has sight impairment is browsing around. You know, if they've got a keyboard reader, you've got to know what they're looking mm. for. You've got to know about the, the the way that the tab key works and where it's going to hop to and how it's going to behave in a menu and all of those kind of things. And it, this is just so important. And it, it, it okay, I, I don't know how you always have that discussion with clients, but I yeah. feel that that is one of the areas where you like, increasingly, those discussions have to happen every single time because what's going into my head here, the analogy that's going into my head here a bit is I go into a second-hand car salesman's showroom and I just get sold a car, which on the outside looks great. You know, the, the bodywork yeah. is shiny, the paintwork is in good condition, everything works, the engine's humming along nicely. And I drive it out of the forecourt, and 10 minutes later, it turns out that the whole thing was soldered together underneath, and it's fallen apart, and it's basically junk. That's (laughs) what I'm getting, as opposed to going to a a good car salesman who realizes that if they sell me a good car, I'm going to come back probably for the rest of my life because now I've built up trust for them they've sold me something they've pointed out the failures they've pointed out where it's good I've got a good deal I know that it's going to be roadworthy and and that's the that's what you want you don't want the dodgy salesman you want the decent salesman who's giving you the skinny on everything you need to know and uh, yeah honestly bravo for all those points they're super cool I think you know you made a point
1: on this one when we were saying who should and should not and um it's one that you can't argue with it- uh <laughs> Because it kind of applies to us, you know, without the no-code solutions, would we even get to being people who might think a bit more about the code, you know? (laughs) Would it have just been out of the equation? Would we have ever got started with a lot of stuff, you know?
0: It's interesting because both you and I did start without the stuff, didn't we? We did start with the code. Yeah, Yeah. and then the the tools became so beguiling that we just had total... You know, we just got we just got completely phased by them. Got into that, forgot what we were doing, forgot how to do it in many cases, ignored the new technologies that come along because our tools didn't use them, and uh, yeah. And I know that for you, at least, anyway, you've really swung in the opposite direction. Yeah, I have in a way, but uh, definitely. But I don't know if it's the same for you. We didn't discuss this earlier,
1: but there was sort of like a point I think in the which I think has been overcome now because the browser operators are all working together with the w3c to to put the spec out in the same way and they're thinking much more about designers so it's got better but i think there was a point where i switched to the page builders where the code just got it changed a lot you know we we went mobile responsive which was a lot to kind of learn it got more complex there and then we were moving from things like floats which were always a bit hacky and weird oh and if you've done tables before and then we moved into flexbox which actually took a lot So actually, suddenly at the the time of these, having to get stuff out for clients a a bit quicker, because at that time for me, the demand was that they just wanted what they could see. And I hadn't thought about all this UX stuff before, even though it was out there, but it just hadn't reached me. Um, you know, so that was the only way really. So, you know, and suddenly after the idea of having to try and do, which I did, even in WordPress, I was still with the Genesis handwriting the CSS, if not the HTML, you know, um, I, I still but there was a point where it just got an overload of the information so wow you know it was like taking a holiday when you found the first page builder that you know output yeah. something that was decent yeah.
0: you know it yeah um, and and also there was just that sort of fatigue of it all it was a bit boring yeah. writing code into a, a text editor and saving it up into the into the the website's file structure somewhere it was just <laughs> yeah. such a pleasure wasn't it and the the, yeah. the tools were just so cool you could drag things i mean i remember the first time seeing beaver builder and just being yeah. like blown away like what it's that easy um yeah. and yeah. really just forgot all about the code for a
1: decade or more <laughs> well layouts were crucifying me before just know how to lay out all of this stuff so yeah. drag and drop your stuff in there the rest of it maybe you know i mean if it was just just the drag and drop with a series of html slots or something it would have been enough for me but obviously you know well, you've got this, you've got a photo module, you've got this gallery, you might as well use it as you're here, you know, and uh, on you go. And for, for a long time, that's been perfectly fine for me. Um, and and I don't think I'd be doing it if they weren't around, but it has flipped me the other way because of the CSS is now
0: going, well, we got some really cool stuff and it's if you if you spend a bit of time on it <laughs> For those people <laughs> yeah. who are listening, David, I think it'd be quite nice. Just a maybe a tinier side. What do you mean by that? What cool stuff is there going on in CSS that you're enjoying? Well I think the biggest thing is the new way to lay out your pages or in
1: your entire site would be CS Grid, which is now fully supported. And I think this is a real this makes it quite if you want to use that then you are restricted in most of the wordpress solutions because it's working to the flex box so you're only working within a row you're working in one dimension at a time where with grid if you get your head around it which is not easy i must say it is incredible because you can kind of set up um within your whole body where your head is going to go in your footer um and for example you know you you might want to have for your mobiles you would start mobile first your navigation where your thumbs are at the bottom of the screen mm-hmm. and then without duplicating the content as you would have to do with flexbox you can have that jump up to the top right of your header for the desktops or something like that and you can move stuff around and i think it's really for me one of the things one of the beauties of a lot of the technology that came with wordpress was if you had a custom post type say products or something. And you arrange the design, you know, you had this product image on one side and then this text and the the title was above it and then there were some other tabs or something underneath it. You could rearrange that if you had sort of custom fields going into this dynamic content to move all of that kind of stuff around. And that was like, wow, in one template, you could change everything and change all of these custom post types. You know, you could have hundreds of them. But now with CSS Grid, you can go, well actually I didn't need to make it that complex it's three dimensional I can set up sections and move them around on the grid you know so so there's a lot of that cool stuff but I think so much of every part of a website I think is changing now with or there's some better alternatives which will it'll make it difficult for them to come easily into a builder situation so you know we've got HD colors coming very soon wider color gamut so we'd have to change all those we've got kind of you know sort of different fonts flexible fonts we've got being able to set your character width for consistency we've got all a um, way of organizing the code through custom properties or variable um yeah cs variables and i don't know i could go on forever but also image formations and how you use images and uh, just even variable fonts and now you can start to make them look gruff and stuff if you know some css and change them you know you've got one file to do all of your different weights all of your different slants and you can make them grungy with some of them if you want if you know some css so yeah so loads of cool stuff i think which is turning my head there so yeah. it feels like
0: the game changers are going back to the code a bit yeah your point about the w3c i always think i've said that wrong the w3c <laughs> and the browser manufacturers all basically being in cahoots now mm. Um, When we began, there was just this turf war, wasn't there, where you really couldn't expect any browser to behave like any other. (laughs) They all had their own different rendering engines and it was horrible. Whereas now, basically every browser is going to show you the same thing. And so now the focus is moving on to making the bits of the page do innovative and interesting things. And the grid example that you just gave is, is really curious and fascinating. I guess my thing is... If you if you've settled on a no code solution, let's say that's a WordPress page builder, you can sort yeah. of, you can you can skill up on that, and and it may have limitations in that you know you can't do the move the thing from the footer to the header uh, very straightforwardly. But then you know maybe mm. you don't want to do that. Yeah, exactly. But the the thing that I mentioned in our show notes, not related to this, but I'm going to bring it up now, is do you do you have this feeling that what you're getting into the grid and what have you is is a bit like waiting for a boss in that you've just got on the grid boss and now you're you know we're in first gear second gear third gear you're moving off down the road but behind you are a bunch of people who didn't get on that boss and they're waiting for the next thing to come along and and sure enough it will right it's definitely going to happen that grid will be superseded by something shiny new better whatever uh, possibly worse i don't know but um <laughs> do, do you have a bit of fear of that you know you get into this one way of doing things and all of a sudden you, you've yeah. got a dependency on that and you know all of, it's, that it's, that brings
1: it's, well it's happened hasn't it mm. we've gone from tables to floats to flex yeah. to grid you know and uh you have to relearn it but my thinking is the way i'm looking at it now is that there is a difficulty you want to avoid I would say you want to avoid frameworks unless you really need them and they're justified and they often are and a page builder a no code solution could be right for the circumstances you know if you want to knock something up that does you I know mean, because not all of the web is about building a website that's going to uh you know change over a period of time some things are just landing pages for a certain thing and it might be the quick way so but I I see it this way really is that the road we're on is set by the W3C. That is the web. So when we jump on a framework, which takes some of that spec and makes it in an easy way to do, it's like jumping on a bus. But you go on that bus. So I'm walking along with my W3C very slowly, having to learn this stuff, taking it all in slowly. It has to change as it goes along those bumps in the road. But it's just this one path that everybody has to be on if they're going to be on the web. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, as simple that. Yeah. And then by the side of it are potentially like the page builders are their own frameworks, things like, you know, in CSS, we've got them with bootstrap and tailwind, things that are like a bus that will pick you up and get you there a bit quicker. But the problem is with those buses, eventually they will always break down somewhere. So the person walking along the road could end up, you know, at the end point faster than the people who keep jumping on different buses. It's the tortoise and the hare thing, isn't it? Yeah. It is. And I think that's the thing. And I think, you know, there is, I mean, you know, that you can't learn everything. So, I mean, there's always going to be in, you know, clients are going to want something dynamic. So there's going to be a dependency on some third party for me to do it. So it can't be all holier than thou on the, no, on the using code only. It's mm. just not impossible. But I think we have to reflect, I feel on the frameworks we depend on and whether we're willing to accept that. They will go out of date because they are. You, they are going to, aren't they? They're going off their own route, separate to where the
0: the web or the W three C is going with its spec. Yeah, I guess there's no crystal ball gazing here. I mean, you might have a insight into the next six months, but beyond that, it's anybody's yeah. guess. Who knows what is being concocted in somebody else's mind today that might take over the the entire web and the way that we do things in the future um (laughs) you've got the the next question here is is no code a threat to developers and i'm curious to see what you think about that i'm i don't even know what developers in inverted commas you know so by (laughs) that i mean uh, people who are really skilled in all sorts of things not just wordpressy things i don't even know what they think about wordpress whether or not they even want to be part of wordpress um there certainly seems to have been a a shift recently in the last three or four years of some very notable WordPress developers who have decided they want to move out of WordPress. I don't know if that's got anything to do with the way it was going with page builders and things like that. Or I just don't know. Well, so, you know, developers like an environment like GitHub or something. They
1: like to work in their code editors anyway. So, you know, Gutenberg was good for them for dynamic stuff at the time, but it might be not their preferred environment. I, I think, to be honest, probably no code is a threat to developers like a calculator is a threat to mathematicians. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> good. you know, if only your kind of, if that's the level of what your development is, is basically just, you know, factual stuff, you know, it's, it's just, but I think, you know, in most trades at the top end of it, there's always going to be some creative thinking, um, you know, looking at a, solving a problem in context, you know, and yes. understanding. Yep. yep. Um, so that's for me where that goes and we, we might as well just cause the next question after that one is really, they're both connected in some ways, is Ooh. AI then a threat to no code? And we could go on for hours from this one. Oh boy, I um, think we, we but, could do a whole episode, but you kick us off. Uh, yeah, well, you know, we, we've talked about it before, so we have kind of different, you're, you're more worried about it than I am. Cause I sent to thing. It's that creative thinking. So it's in the same way that no code is not going to be a threat to developers because there'll always need to be some custom solutions that are creative, that are ongoing, I think, you know, for people. And, um, so I think no, and I think AI is the same. I think at the moment it's not very good. And I take your point that it's going to improve and it will be hard to distinguish between what a human would do, but I still think as language evolves itself, you know, as a human thing that I don't think, I'm not sure that artificial intelligence can always do it. So I I just think with all the developers and the, the, you know, there's that kind of human thing that we know about understanding something in context. So if something could write the code for me, like page builders, his biggest flaw now in the time of CSS grid is that you take it page by page, where if you understand the concept of CSS grid, you will you probably think about the whole site and how it's structured, and you'll just have a line or two, the most def- efficient way to be able to change the layouts for individual pages or groups of pages. And I think when a AI tries to take or write some code, it's never going to have the full context of either how it's going to be used, how it needs to connect with the audience uh, to solve the kind of problems, or within the whole of the system. And I think that's what developers and that's so i think both of them are the same they have a weakness
0: yeah i i i I know what you mean in that i have this i have this vague hope and belief i guess that the humans will always have a place um and that that, you know they'll always be better at inspecting things and checking for that the other humans desires are being met in other words the client the human their desires are being met and the outcomes are in line with what they want and can tweak it all my my slight concern is that when you you make a mistake in code, only you get better from it. The, the rest of humanity doesn't. So you have to learn everything by yourself. Whereas yeah. with the AI, all of the AI gets better. So it can then churn out the correct solution to everybody based upon one person's error. So in other words, if somebody reports to (laughs) chat GPT that no, 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 that code doesn't work. You need to do it this way. Then everybody else who makes that request will get the updated version henceforth. You know, that's the principle behind it. And I, I'm less sanguine about it. I do think that there's going to be a moment where it is good enough that it starts to, it starts to undermine the promise that web designers have web developers web designers whatever such that it just undermines that there's an industry there you know and as soon as uh, 10% 20% 30% of the people are out of work it's going to become more and more difficult because i feel like the ai will just get better i i'm a bit afraid of what it's going to be capable of and i think i my my thoughts are that we need to put the brakes on a little bit and um and figure out what it's going to do because I think a lot of the things that we do are in the purview even though we wouldn't like to believe it because we think we're you know we've got this mm. unique talent. I think it a lot of what we do especially if we're not using code um you know we're using like templates and page builders I think a lot of that will be in the purview. I saw a really interesting article uh in on I think it was the make.wordpress.org channel the other day it was an Anne McCarthy piece where she was speculating with a video, what that might look like in Gutenberg. And the, uh, the idea was you gave it a text prompt and then then it just gave you back a load of different possible block patterns that might suit that brief. So I, I can't remember what it was, but let's say, I don't know, I've got a grocery store and I want to sell my, uh, my fruit and veg to the world uh, and you click a button and it just gives you 10 or 20 different patterns that you can then dump into your website. And it, it you know, it'll do all that in the space of a few moments. It will be editable by humans at that point, which is great, but it, it is it is doing a lot of work and I guess my fear is that it's just doing so much work that it, it undermines the, the rest of us. It undermines the credibility of us and our ability to have an industry even. Crikey, that was yeah. a lot, sorry. <laughs> No, no, it's good. And I, and I think, you know, I mean, I can't disagree with you. It's
1: going to kill out. It's going to kill a lot of people that are doing stuff. I do think, you know, as saying before, it's why partly, I guess I understand this is coming. Both no code is a bit of a threat to what I do and also AI. And it's kind of why I tried to. Move a little bit to this kind of relationship where we just start with the the client and say, okay, my job is just to make this technology reach people you want to reach to, and we can communicate them. And to do that, we need to walk in their shoes and do our best to try and understand their journey and their needs, and and answer them in the way that they need. And I think that's where AI just will always. And I think you know the equivalent is being done. You know when you see that you know i often had a view of code developers as being you know kind of people who just ate pizza in some kind of dungeon environment <laughs> or something you know churning out code but you know they're very you know the other top end they're they're real thinkers they're real philosophers yeah real, yeah, yeah yeah you know yeah, yeah. psychology yeah. and i think that's the, that's where i try to sort of aim for because you know, when you are designing, you're putting kind of copy, which you can spend ages thinking. That's not the right word. That just doesn't sum it up. This, you're backwards and forwards with the client over it, and then trying to pick that right image. And I just don't think AI is ever going to do it. Or, but even so, you would still have the job of monitoring, even if it picked it in the first place, and interpreting what how the humans were doing that. And I just don't think AI will be able to do that interpretation of how people are
0: using. The, the technology. Yeah, it's interesting because I think the worst possible outcome is that humans end up simply checking what the AI did. Can, can you <laughs> imagine the, the joylessness of that work <laughs> where you basically, you you go to an AI, you give it a text prompt or whatever, and it pushes stuff back at you and you just have to check if it's if it's okay. It's like, oh, there's no you don't get the creative juices flowing at all you're just some sort of you know it it just seems like a really joyless work and and i think you're doing i think you you are insulating yourself against this in in a good way because of the the fact that you're getting back into the code and you're going to be able to justify all of the things that we talked about a moment ago you know the accessibility and the environment and all of those you're going to you're going to have more strings to your bow in that case which i think is sensible of you well, I think, you know, it's just playing into what I suppose, you know, I did psychology degree. So I suppose it's
1: more in keeping with that, uh, you know, given that I can't do code very well, it's a chore for me. You know, it's better that I do, uh, I'm only doing the code so it can help me do the psychology side of the things. And, yeah. You know, it's a means to an end always with all of these things. So you can't, you know, it's it's a funny thing. I mean, I think no code isn't a lie in the sense that I think it can help a lot of people in lots of different ways. But I think for me... It's it often results in the fact that you probably do need to get back to the code. Yeah, um, yeah. If you do it for any length of time, I think you end up there uh, because of the empowerment that gives you rather than – because it's not really n- no code or code.
0: It's either your code or somebody else's. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I mean, we've got a whole bunch of other things that we could get oh, into. Oh, sorry, yeah. No, no, no. I feel that we've touched on them because we had things like whether it's short-lived and we talked about the bosses. I, I still think – even if to you, to you in particular, and me that really doesn't do much in terms of building client websites at all anymore, it, yeah. I still think WordPress is quite exciting. I still think there's a lot of um, a, lo- a lot of interest. You know, there seems to be a big crowd of people who don't want to get involved in code. You know, they want to buy a they want to buy a solution which fixes all the things for them, a quick plugin fix for a problem that they've got. And you know, the, the rise of Elementor, as we talked about towards the beginning of the show just demonstrates that there is there is there is yeah. need for it. There's commercial need for it as well. So uh, it, I don't know, maybe that'll slow down at some point in the future. But seem, seemingly, there's a, still a very, very big crowd of people who want to be able to do things without even thinking about the code. And actually, you only have to look at the TV commercials for things like yeah. Squarespace and Wix. And yeah. what is it that they're strapline is they always talk about the fact that you don't need to own know any code that is their big selling point in fact it's the selling point which indicates that that's what the people want
1: yeah exactly do you know what you prompted me for what's almost another debate about this you just wonder whether the demand for no code is do you, do you ever? See, well, actually, we should save this for another thing. We didn't talk about what we're doing next, but I have an idea, and that would link into what I wanted to say: is whether you feel a personal affront that somebody has built sites by no code itself. Ooh. You know, Ooh. Um is it a bad? Is it an indictment on really the way that we've treated clients, if you like,
0: in building their sites? So they're looking for no code because they hate us. Let's it's, pin that one then yeah and yeah let's do that one next time or at least in the near future maybe we'll maybe we'll jump to a different one. but that sounds like a that sounds like a, a really reasonable yeah what is your what is your instinctive reaction to a site as soon as you find out that it was built without any any code whatsoever it was just point yeah. click drag or or ai let's throw that in as well so are yeah. they doing it because we've let them down as yeah. web designers yes. I guess yeah. that's guess okay. that sounds good. good yeah all right well, well I'll, I'll see know. you in a couple of weeks in that case thanks for that all right there. enjoyed it Thanks. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that. Always a pleasure chatting to my friend David Wormsley, in this case about no code being a lie. If you've got any thoughts on that, please head over to WPBuilds.com, search for episode number 337 and leave us a comment there. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL and 24-7 support. Bundle that with The Hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients and get 30% off new purchases. you find out more by heading to go.me forward slash WPBuilds. And we do thank GoDaddy Pro for their ongoing support of the WP Builds podcast. As I said at the top of the show, we will be having a week off, so there'll be no This Week in WordPress show or no podcast next week, but we'll be back the week after that. If you fancy watching some episodes of recent webinar series, head to wpbuilds.com, search for the archives menu and look for the demos archive. They'll be in there. Myself, Mark Westgard, Patrick Posner doing things recently about their plugins. Hopefully you'll stay safe. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Cheesy music fading in. Bye bye for now.